0: Welcome to Truth Pod, the podcast that proclaims the truth of God's Word without shame or apprehension, where the Bible is the last word on any subject. I'm Russell, your host. Welcome back to Truth Pod. Thank you for downloading this podcast. I hope you find it a blessing and encouraging to your Christian walk. There are so many things in this world that seem to be designed to bring us down and steal our joy. The Evening News politics certain people we have to deal with each day that's why it's so important that we surround ourselves with things that lift us up christian music christian friends and acts of service speaking of acts of service someone offered 10 steps to getting out of depression you know and i mean most people perk up their ears right there you know 10 steps to getting out of depression. Because nobody likes to be in depression feeling, oh man, I don't want to go on. You know, all that. You know, 10 steps to getting out of depression. Number one, find someone in need and help them. That's a good one, right? Yeah, find someone in need and help them. Step two, repeat number one, step one, nine more times. (laughs) In other words, Continue to help people. And, uh, you know, it, it does It does something for you inside when you help someone. And, uh, you know, it'll help someone else as well. It'll minister to them. Sounds like a surefire remedy for depression. Go ahead. Give it a try. It's not hard to find someone in need. Just look around. They're out there. So before I start started reading the lyrics each week about the cross, did you realize that there were so many songs written about the cross? I mean, there are a lot of them, and that's great. I had never realized that there were so many, and did very well, each one with meaning and purpose, uh, taken from the lives that had been touched by the Savior. Here's one, The Glory of the Cross. What wisdom once devised the plan where all our sin and pride was placed upon the perfect Lamb who suffered, bled, and died. The wisdom of a sovereign God whose greatness will be shown when those who crucified your Son rejoice around your throne. And oh, the glory of the cross that you would send your Son for us. I gladly count my life as lost that I might come to know the glory of, the glory of, The cross. What righteousness was there revealed that sets the guilty free, that justifies ungodly men and calls the filthy clean? A righteousness that proved to all your justice has been met, and holy wrath is satisfied through one atoning death. What mercy now has been proclaimed for those who would believe? A love incomprehensible our minds could not conceive. A mercy that forgives my sin, that makes me like your son. And now I'm loved forevermore because of what you've done. The world will never see the glory of a cross until their hearts have been converted. Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word that we're going to be talking about this morning thank you for what jesus did at the cross for uh, the price he paid taking my sins and suffering in my place and thank you lord that i am clean because of him father thank you that each one who listens that has received the same gift are clean because of him father i pray your mercy Upon our hearts, help us to receive what you want us to receive this morning. Thank you for those who listen to Truth Pod. Father, may your blessings be upon them. In Jesus' name, amen. Since February, we've been on the road to Golgotha. It's been quite a lengthy study. This is the 34th study in the series. And as with all studies, they have an ending. So it is with this study. We are nearing the ending. It's hard to comprehend sometimes why he would go through so much pain and agony for someone such as I and you, right? I mean, it's you and I. That's just, it's hard to comprehend it. It's hard to fathom it. It's hard to, like, wow, did it really happen? And it did. Romans 5.8 says this in the English Standard Version. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Wow. Bear in mind that all of this did not happen by accident or even by, or even because of the hatred of sinful men. Golgotha happened because God planned it, because there was no other way to redeem sinful man. This knowledge should cause us to have a deeper appreciation for what he went through for us. Last week, I talked about the darkness that overshadowed the cross. He was on the cross for six hours. The first three hours, there was light. The last three hours, the land was covered in darkness. I think that if I were those religious leaders and the soldiers who nailed him to the cross when this darkness fell, I think I would have been quaking in my boots, wondering what it all meant. Let us turn to Scripture. Matthew 27 46 through 49 in the english standard version says this and about the ninth hour jesus cried out with a loud voice saying eli eli lama sabachthani that is my god my god why have you forsaken me and some of the bystanders hearing it said this man is calling elijah And one of them at once ran and took a sponge and filled it with sour wine and and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the other said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. Do you know the difference between sympathy and empathy? (laughs) Okay. Sympathy involves understanding from your own perspective. Empathy involves putting yourself in the other person's shoes and understanding why they may have these particular feelings. Empathy is deeper and more intense than sympathy. It is about acknowledging a person's feelings and genuinely imagining and trying to feel what it's like to be in the other person's shoes. I must admit, I have a hard time distinguishing the two. So if during the study I I mixed the two up, please forgive me, and show me some empathy or is it sympathy (laughs) when I was a kid one of my friends mom got killed in a car crash needless to say he was devastated I told him how sorry I was for his loss and I understood how he felt I was able to enter into his sorrow because I had been there I had lost my mom my mother a year or so earlier Had I not lost my mother, I could not know what he was feeling. I could only assume to know what he was feeling. Have you ever broke a bone? I haven't ever broken a bone. I hear it's quite painful, depending on which one, I guess. So while I can be sympathetic to someone who has broke their leg, I have no idea what it feels like. Now, don't worry, I'm not headed somewhere with this. Or, I'm sorry. Now, don't worry, I'm headed somewhere with this. All too often, we accuse God of not knowing what it's like to be human. We think He can't possibly know what I'm going through. I mean, we're, we're all guilty of that, right? God, how can He know what I'm feeling? You know, how can He know what this situation's like? Hebrews 4.15 in the New King James Version says this, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. This verse tells me Jesus knows what it's like to be tempted by sin. You can bet he was tempted more than just in the wilderness. You remember in the wilderness he was tempted... You know, after he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he was tempted. Uh, What would be the thing about that, you know, would be the most tempting thing after fasting 40 days and 40 nights? Not a woman. (laughs) Sorry, not a woman. Uh, Not riches, but food. That would be the number one temptation. Temptation. He had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and Satan came to him, tempting him. If you are the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. Well, I mean, it seems like a, you know, a good idea. Hey, I can turn these stones, and he could have. I could turn these stones into bread. I could eat right now. I don't have to wait till I get back to town to eat. I am so hungry but he didn't because of the one suggesting it. I would like to take this thought even further. I believe that Jesus knows from his experience on the cross, when he was nailed to the cross and all of our sins are placed upon him. Okay. As I talked about last week, all of our sins are placed upon him. Adultery, uh, murder, uh, theft, um, racism, hatred, whatever you could think of, whatever sin, it don't matter, whatever sin, all that was placed upon him, I believe at that very moment, he knew what it felt like to be lost. He knew what it felt, what the sinner feels like, what that lost sinner feels like when he's lost or because he's lost jesus cries out my god my god why have you forsaken me he's quoting from psalm 22:21, 21 my god my god why have you forsaken me why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning i believe that there is more going on here than Jesus quoting from the psalm for comfort. Don't get me wrong. God's word is great for comfort and we need to rely on it. What does a lost person feel like, feel like when he, when he comes to God or when it comes to God, what does the lost person feel like about God? One, they feel disconnected from God. Like they don't know him and they're separated from him. Okay. They don't know how to get in, you know, contact with them. You might even hear them say, pray. I don't know how to pray. How do you pray? They don't know God. Okay. That's what the lost person feels like. Two, they have no confidence that God hears their prayers. Why would they? They have no relationship with him. They might pray and Oh God, if you get me out of this mess, I'll serve you all the days of my life kind of thing. You know what I mean? But they have no, they don't know if it's hurt or not because they have no confidence. They're separated because of sin. Uh, I think it was John or James says, we have confidence that he hears us because we do what is pleasing in his sight. Three, uh, third, they cannot trust him. They cannot trust him. Now, we're talking about God. They, This is what the sinner feels like. They can't trust him. They can't trust him to handle their lives. They can't trust him to deal with their problems. They can't trust him to take away their sins. They can't trust him to change their lives and turn them in a different direction they can't trust him to make all things new for they feel forsaken as if god doesn't care or will not help them they are left alone i believe this is what jesus is feeling when he cries out my god my god why have you forsaken me I believe this is the feeling. I believe this is what he's experiencing on the cross. He is he is empathizing with the sinner. He is in the place of the sinner. He's taken the sinner's place right here at the cross. So um, he is feeling forsaken, rejected, abandoned, put aside. Lost because of the sin that is on him. This, I believe, is why Jesus prayed in the garden. Matthew 26, 39 in the New King James Version says this. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. I believe this is the part of the cup that he dreaded most. I believe it's right here. I I don't believe it was the suffering as bad as that was. I don't believe it was the humiliation and the shame as bad as that was. I believe it was this part of being separated from God. Because this was something he had never known before. He had never known separation from God. Unlike you and I, you know, he had never known a moment without the Father. All of eternity past was spent with the Father. All of his 33 years on earth was spent in close relationship with the Father. He was constantly in prayer. And when he wasn't in prayer, he was doing things for the Father. You know, constantly close relationship with his heavenly Father. But at this moment, At this moment, sin is all over him. So he's separated. Now he's bearing the sins of the world. The Father can no longer look at him. Habakkuk, and you can pronounce that however you want, that book in the Bible. It's H-A-B-A Habakkuk. 113 says this in the New King James. Listen. You are of purer eyes talking about God than to behold evil and cannot look on wickedness. <coughs> In other words, God, God cannot gaze on it. <coughs> he cannot stare at it. In the eyes of the Father, Jesus looked or looks no different than the vilest of sinners. Think, Jeffrey Dahmer, Adolf Hitler for you and i i know that's rough i know that sounds whoa that is harsh and hard to swallow but i believe it's true i believe it's true i believe when we when we're reading the bible we need to look for the the critical meaning in it and not just lays over it. I mean, it could. we could have just lazed over it. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And uh, that's just, just being some quote from the Psalms. No big deal. It didn't really mean anything. But I believe it had great meaning. I believe it was telling us something that was going on on the cross that we seldom think about. Jesus knows what it's like to be lost. He knows what it's like uh, to be the sinner. Have you ever been lost? Have you ever been out, say, hunting? It's easy in, in Wisconsin, where we live, uh, to go out hunting and end up lost, you know, because you, you fail to pay attention to markings or you fail to uh, keep an eye on other people or whatever it may be. And it's easy to get lost. It's a scary feeling. Uh, You feel isolated. uh, You feel alone. No one can hear you. um, You cannot communicate with anyone because they're not there. Um, You're separated from your party, the people you were with. And the number one longing of your heart is to get back with the ones that you were with. Number one longing of Jesus' heart is his father. Number one longing. He could endure the pain. Okay? The pain, he could endure that. He could put up with that. He could suffer the indignity that they perpetrated on him. But to be separated from the father, even for an hour, was beyond comprehension. This was the hardest thing This was what he dreaded most. God acknowledged Jesus as his beloved son in Mark one eleven. Then a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Is this a big deal? Well, yeah, it tells me he knows exactly what I'm feeling when I'm covered in sin. It tells me I can relate to him. When he died, the separation was over, okay? When he died, <coughs> the moment he breathed his last breath, <coughs> excuse me, as we will talk about it in some future studies coming up, when he died, this separation from the Father was over with because the sacrifice had been completed. Hebrews 5 5 through 6 in the New King James says this. So also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was he who said to him, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. As he also says in another place, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Okay, I think I've got the point across. If you are lost, Jesus knows exactly the hopelessness you feel inside. But instead of leaving you that way, he offers complete forgiveness for all you have done. He can do so because he paid for all of our sins. Now I want to switch gears because the people missed it. Okay? The people at the foot of the cross, they heard him cry out, My God, my God, why? Have you forsaken me? They heard him say some uh, use some funny words before this, so it's Eli Eli sabachthani. And they they thought this man is calling for Elijah. All right. Now they they apparently did not understand what he was speaking. They didn't know whoever wrote the scripture knew what he was saying because it was interpreted as my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But the bystanders saying he's calling for Elijah. It's often easy to miss what God is doing or misunderstand what he is saying. The rest of the verses I read deal with the bystanders and what they heard. Bystanders are not usually associated with close and intimate you know, so bystanders are not close people, intimate people. The people like to watch from a distance. You know, these people like to watch from a distance. They don't want to get their hands dirty, but they like to tell people how things are done. Elijah was an important individual. He was a prophet of God in the Old Testament. He, is, he prayed that it would not rain upon the earth for three and a half years, and it didn't. He was also taken to heaven in a chariot of fire. He was an amazing prophet. Um, you know, he was used of God. He was. Uh, you can read about him in First Kings, uh, near the end of First Kings, and uh, in the final of Second Kings, I think in chapter one, somewhere in there. Um, so he, he prays for three and a half years that it doesn't rain and, and there is a drought, and you know, and and it's just. Uh, they start searching for him. King Ahab and Jezebel start searching for him because they know he's the one who's caused this. Which really it was God who did it. Who stopped the rain? It wasn't Elijah. Elijah just prayed, and um, and Elijah had prayed this because they were living in idolatry. The kingdom had been living in idolatry. Ahab and and Jezebel had set up their idols, and you know got the people worshiping. So the man of God moved in and started praying you know so he's a very important man as that's the point i'm making elijah is very well known to the jewish people um you know and highly regarded prophet so when jesus says eli eli they naturally naturally thought it was elijah that he's calling for someone feels sorry for him and they run and dip a sponge and sour wine remember he refused this painkiller earlier other other bystanders objected thinking they might actually get to see Elijah you can hear the sarcasm in their voices these were not people of faith they were bystanders no doubt the same group of people would show up the next time they had a crucifixion Elijah would not come to rescue him it wasn't Elijah's job you know Uh, Elijah wasn't meant to do this, so Elijah wouldn't be rescuing. They would not see Elijah. The Heavenly Father would not stop the crucifixion. Satan was probably laughing at Jesus as he hung on the cross. I wonder if Satan forgot the first prophecy of the Bible. Genesis 3.15 says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. I think one version, another version says, uh, he will crush your head. I I think Satan probably forgot about that happening. So much taking place on the cross. So much happening here that uh, the crowd missed and we can all, also miss it. I um, I want you to focus, though, on the part about where he took your place, where he took my place, and that he knows what I'm feeling when I'm lost. He knows what that feeling's like. See, he's the good shepherd. The Bible says the, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He also talks about how a shepherd, if he loses one of the sheep, you know, if a shepherd, he has a hundred sheep and loses one of them, he says, will he not leave the ninety nine sheep and go and search for that one that's lost? I mean, come on, you know, you got a ninety nine sheep left. You lose one big deal, right? And to him it is. And to him it is. If we go to hell, okay, and hell is a very real place. If we go to hell, we will have to step over the cross. I mean, Jesus paid it all, people. Jesus paid it all. And you and I, we don't have to go to hell. And he thinks we're valued enough to come looking for us. You might be sitting there thinking or in your in your vehicle thinking or wherever you're at. Uh, jogging, whatever, hiking, whatever, thinking I'm lost. But God don't care about that. But he does. He's that shepherd looking for you. He's looking in your direction right now. He's looking towards you and he's saying, come home. Come home. Come with me. Come with me. Or like he said to Matthew, follow me. Follow me. And uh, you'll find you, you're not lost anymore when you follow Jesus. <laughs> you know, if talking about that person lost in the woods. And they might not know where to go, but then a guide shows up. And the guide finds them. And the guide says, I know the way out. Follow me. Well, Jesus knows the way out of your sin. Maybe you're a believer right now, and, but you're trapped in a sin. Okay? And it happens. It happens, okay? I want you to know that it happens. But Jesus is saying, I know the way out. Follow me. I'll help you. Just take my hand. Learn of me. Reminds me of what he said in the book of Matthew. Come to me, all of you, who are burdened and heavy laden. Burdened because of your sins. Heavy laden because you can't bear them anymore. Come to me, all you who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Wow. So he's looking for you. He's that shepherd, and he's looking for you, and he says, I know the way out. I will lead you. Just follow me. Simple. I know I try to, I make it, I probably oversimplify it, but why make it hard? Why, may, why say, hey, you got to say so many of these words and then you got to read your Bible about three times a day? Make sure you pray about five times. It's not there. Jesus said, follow me. Follow me. If you follow him, your life will be changed. Your life will be changed. He will change you if you follow him. thing is, you can't follow him and not change. You can't. It won't work that way. He don't expect you, okay, to clean yourself up before you come to him. But he expects you to follow him and then he'll take care of the rest. He'll clean you up. Next week, we will continue on the road to Golgotha. Let me end this podcast by asking you this question. Do you know Jesus as your personal Savior? If not, you can. He loves you and wants you to be a part of His family. The first thing for you to do is admit you're a sinner and you cannot save yourself. Second, believe that He died for you and ask Him to forgive your sins. Third, Thank Him for saving you and commit to living the rest of your life for Him. If you have any questions or prayer requests, just email me at truthpod at yahoo.com.